Last weekend, Harrison Bucker, the um, uh, kicker for uh, Kansas City Chiefs, spoke at his alma mater, uh, Georgia Tech. Uh, he is a devout Roman Catholic, a Christian, and stands for the Lord and stands for traditional values. And he said at the outset, what I'm going to say today may not be too popular, but, uh, but here it goes. He talked about fame. He talked about purpose. Uh, and he said, no matter how much money you attain, none of it will matter if you are alone and devoid of purpose. Uh, he said that the world is full of miserable, smart, hardworking people. Even though they're smart and hardworking and may have a lot of money, they're miserable because they lack purpose. Uh, then he, he went on to talk about studies that show how young people get depressed or lonely or anxious during the pandemic, how they were in those situations and sometimes still are. And then he proceeded to provide his own solution. He said, I'm not really sure of the root of all this, but at least I can offer one controversial antidote that I believe will have a lasting impact for generations to come. And he said, this is it. Get married and have a family. Uh, he said, as we leave our mark on future generations by our children, we bring into the world, how much greater of a legacy can anyone leave than that? He said, loneliness is rooted in the lies that we're told about self-dependence and prioritizing our career over important relationships. But he said, if you have children, if you have a family, you have that purpose. Now, his point was not to say you are less than a person or you are diminished in God's eyes if you are not married, if you do not have a family, if you do not have children. No, his point was that we are wired and designed for family. We are wired and designed for family. God made us that way. And God wired and designed the family a certain way and for parents to bring children into the world. But we live in a culture now where family is diminished. Family uh, is being more and more diminished and changed. And along with it, children are not only suffering for that, childhood is suffering for that. We live in a culture now where childhood is being erased. Uh, we are putting children in positions that their maturity says they're not ready for. We're asking of them things and, and, and telling them things, even in school, that their maturity level says, and we used to know, that they're not ready for. Gradually but efficiently, childhood itself is being erased. So I think it's wise this morning to take a look at what Jesus thinks of children. We're actually going to return to the passage I referenced just a few minutes ago in our parent-child dedication. And what we're going to do is look at the complete passage. And you're going to find something very interesting, I think very striking in this passage, is that Jesus illustrates God's love by the way he loves children. Let me say that again. Jesus illustrates God's love by the way he loves children. And along with that, he shows the significance of childhood and of children, and of how the culture and the church treats childhood and children. But tuck this away, uh, Jesus illustrates God's love for you and me and everyone by the way he treats children. So look there with me again, Mark chapter 10 and verse 13. This is what the Bible says. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. 
because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. Verse 16, after taking them in his arms, he laid his hands on them and he blessed them. Uh, this passage uh, is preceded by some frameworks. So I want to give you that. What we learn about this day is that it's a very busy day for Jesus. And we learn that, that the crowds are following him. And he's very popular at this time in his ministry. And prior to this teaching about children, he has just been teaching about marriage and about God's view of marriage from the created order forward. So he's just talked about marriage. And we learned that the religious leaders have been peppering him with questions, trying to trap him and, and trying to get the people to turn against him. It just doesn't work because he always brings God's position to the table and what God really says and what God really believes in his word. Then we learned that he has settled down to teach these crowds. And while he's settled down to teach these crowds, parents are bringing their children to him. This was a custom of the day. If there was a popular rabbi, a spiritual teacher, someone the Jews looked up to, someone who knew the word of God, they would bring their children to that person so the, children, uh, so the person would bless their children. And in the Jewish tradition, the blessing was a very formal thing. Uh, there was always a blessing over the synagogue, over the congregation, before people went out into the world to live their lives. Uh, we do this in, in a similar way. At the end of every worship service, our deacons offer a prayer, a, a blessing for you as you go out into the world. It's very biblical. It's the right thing to do. Uh, we have gathered up to worship God, to be encouraged, to be inspired, to learn his word, to practice. Then we go out into the world to practice that, and we need that blessing. So also in their time, it was very common for parents to bring their children and request a blessing from the Jewish religious teacher. But it was more or less a matter of formality, and they believed that God spoke through that person, and that God, if God was blessing that person, that person in turn could bless their children. So parents have come to bring their children into the crowd to find Jesus and, and maybe hold them out or he would, he would sit with them. But, but typically the, the parent would hold the child and he would put his hands on them and he would bless them and move on. Then the next child would come along. The next child would come along. The term translated children is interesting in this passage. In the Greek language of the New Testament that we translate into English, there are actually, actually several words that could be translated as child or children. This particular word refers to young children. Young children. And it captures inside the word its origination, and it originated with a word that meant to play. And it's actually kind of a lighthearted word. It's basically like saying, children like to play. Young children like to play. And that's what the word unpacks and unfolds. It's not, a, it's not a religious word. It's not a serious word. It's a lively word that pictures love and joy when young children come along. But then what happens after that is what we want to focus on for a minute. And this is where we see that Jesus illustrates the love of God for all of us by the way he treats these children and what we learn from the way he treats this, these children. Look at me with this. There's three things I want to pull out on this Mother's Day this morning. First of all, Jesus loves the children. That's kind of a given, you would say, right? Jesus loves the children. Uh, but the, the passage not only teaches Jesus loves the children, Jesus has very strong feelings about the children. 
Now notice you've got three groups happening here. You've got parents with the children, you've got the disciples or apostles, and then you have Jesus, who is doing the teaching. He's the authority in charge. So the parents are bringing their children, and they're bringing their children through the crowd. They're going to they're gonna, want the crowd to part. Maybe they're pushing a little bit. I want to get up there with my child. And the disciples step in and hinder them or stop them. Uh, we read it as, it's a strong rebuke. Do not bother the master, the Bible says elsewhere. Do not bother the master. Now let's pause here just a minute. You've got parents bringing their kids to Jesus. And then you've got religious people, no matter how well-meaning, keeping those kids from Jesus. So there's a question here. Which one are you? Because the disciples were not unreligious. In fact, they were followers of Christ. But they see parents bringing messy children to Jesus, and they, oh, no, 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 we're not, we're not having any of that, and, and they step into it. So let that soak in for just a minute. And focus on Jesus' response. As we read it, Jesus was indignant. It's a very strong word that refers to deep emotional anger. And I don't know how many places in the New Testament Jesus gets angry at his disciples, but he was angry at his disciples. He was angry at these grown-ups. How dare you? Do not hinder them, or more literally, stop stopping them from coming to me. And if you want to make Jesus mad, stop kids from coming to Jesus. That's a surefire way to do it. Instead of stopping the kids from coming to him, he says, do not hinder them from coming to me. So instead of stopping them, they should be facilitating the children coming. They should be parting the crowd and saying to the parents, bring the kids up to the front of the line. Come on up here. Jesus wants to see your kids. Which one are we? Which one are you? We see something similar played out in our cultural context in, in one of the ways that we are erasing childhood. Parents are bringing their children to events children have no business being at. People are facilitating those events. Instead of parents saying, no, 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 we're, we're not coming to that. But the thing is, parents, listen. The Bible makes it very, very clear. There's one thing you should never do. And church, one thing we must never do. And that is hinder the children from coming to Jesus. Never. So ask yourself. This is, this is a thing. Okay, ask yourself. What am I putting in the place of bringing my kids to Jesus that actually might hinder them from coming to Jesus? Other events, other activities. Or, or your own unwillingness to bring them to Jesus, if it's a vacation Bible school, if it's Sunday school, if it's just teaching them at home about Christ, if it's having devotions with them, what are you prioritizing? Because if you're not prioritizing, you're not facilitating, and if you're not facilitating, you're probably hindering. And that is the one thing. You want to make Jesus mad? Keep the children away from him. Maybe we need to think our 
priorities a little bit. Because if you find yourself in, in, any, in any of those people there that day, the ones that are facilitating, the ones that are hindering, the parents that are bringing, or maybe the parents that didn't, you find yourself along the way. Which one are you? Church, which, which, one, which one are we? Let's be sure that we are facilitating, always bringing the children, giving the children opportunities to come to Christ any way that we can. Now, that very real episode leads Jesus to a, a teaching about God's love. So the second thing is Jesus commends the children. He uses children for an illustration in that moment. Uh, and he uses them for an illustration of faith. He says, don't hinder them because when you do, see, when you hinder them, you imply that some people should not be coming to Jesus. Children or not, you're implying some people should not be coming to Jesus. They're not worthy. They're not ready. They're not religious enough. He says, when he saw this happening, he was indignant, told him not to do that. He said, don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, will never enter in. And what does he mean? Because it's clear that what matters in that is the phrase, like a little child. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter in. He's distinguishing between pretense and childhood. Because that's the one thing that distinguishes children in this passage in particular is they have no pretense, they have no hypocrisy, they have no putting on airs, they don't care what people think about them on the outside. Children are messy, children play, and that's how they come to Jesus. And when they come to Jesus, they come in full faith, wound up sometimes, but here they come. The problem with the disciples and religious leaders and occasionally those parents is they come with pretense. We need to look good on the outside. We need to be religious enough. We need to make ourselves worthy so he will accept us and say what good religious people we are. Children don't do that, especially these young children. They just show up. They just come up there and that's who they are. Jesus says, that's the kind of faith God's looking for. That's the kind of faith God's looking for. No pretense, no religious outward appearance, no showing up to church on Sunday just to prove how religious you are. No, no, no. God's looking for the faith of a child. He doesn't care what people think. Just comes to Jesus. Just comes to Jesus. When was the last time you approached God that way? When was the last time you said, you know what, I, I don't care. I just need Jesus. I don't care. I just need God. Isn't it good to know, and, and let's be honest, in a, in a room this size, some of you at home on a Sunday morning, especially on Mother's Day when a lot of people come to church, they hadn't been there all year, but they come on Mother's Day, and God bless you for that. I don't want you to leave. But we come with pretense. We come with the notion that it matters what we look like to God. We've we got to make sure everything looks good. We're coiffed, we're combed, we're fluffed. And thank you for that. But ask yourself, God sees your heart, not your hairdo. 
What does he really care about in your life right now? And if your assumption that you're not good enough for God has been holding you back from Jesus, this is what he wants you to know. Just come. Just like you are. No pretense, no selfishness, no pride, no hypocrisy, no outward appearance. You just come to Jesus. You just come to Jesus. So he commends the faith of children. And that in itself asks us a question. Is your faith like that? Is your faith not only the kind of faith that comes without pretense? Hey, let me ask you this. Is your faith the kind of faith that has a good time with Jesus? You just love showing up in the presence of God. You love what God's doing in your life and in the world. You love seeing Jesus work. You're enjoying your faith. Much the same way children play. Are you enjoying your faith that way? If not, get with God. If you're holding back, just get with God. He knows what's going on in your life. And that brings us to the third thing Jesus teaches about the way God loves, as he illustrates this from children. Jesus accepts the children. He loves the children. He commends their faith. And then he accepts the children. Did you notice how the story closed? After Jesus rebukes the disciples for, what, for rebuking the parents, after he does that, after he insists that faith that gets you saved is faith demonstrated in a little child, then he does exactly what the parents wanted him to do. But notice how he does it. There's no line up. There's no kids, uh, parents coming up and bringing the kids in a line and one at a time they hold them out and he, he puts his hands on them. What does the Bible say he did? He wrapped his arms around them. Loves those kids. So glad they came and he blesses them and sends them on their way. See, Jesus didn't say, okay, let's all line up here, and I'll do this perfunctory blessing. I'm a, I'm a religious leader. I'll put my hand on the kids, and the parents will be happy, and the religious leaders will be happy, and all will be well. No, 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 because he cares about the kids. So he makes it clear what the gospel is. The gospel is about love, and it's about responding to his love and faith. And once you get that, Jesus says, bring them on up. Let me wrap my arms around them. I love kids. Do you know Jesus loves kids? I mean, think about that. Jesus loves kids. He wraps his arms around them and he loves on them some and he blesses them. Now, wait a minute. What does he bless them with? There's no big prayer there. There's no laying on of hands, so to speak. And he just put his hands on them. It says that. But how does he bless them? He blesses them with his love. He blesses them with access to him. He blesses them with a moment that they and their parents will never forget. He blesses them the way God blesses. Come to me. I'll change your life. He blesses them with full and absolute acceptance in Christ. Sometimes we think of blessing. We ask God to bless us. We think of Blessing as material things. or We think of blessing, here's our big one, we think of blessing as God answering our prayers the way we want God to answer our prayers, right? But you know what the Bible teaches God's greatest blessing is? Him. It's knowing that He loves you and that any stage, place, or age in life, you can come to Him in faith. Simple, basic faith. You can come and cry out for help. You can come and ask him 
to meet your needs, to give you wisdom as a parent, to protect your children. You can come to him. He accepts you as you are, but he doesn't leave you the way you are. He wants to change us to make us more like Christ. But it's got to get started with you and me saying, God, I just need you. I need you. Not, not more stuff. Not everything going my way all the time. I, I just need Jesus. I need you. Uh, when I was in, I don't know, third, fourth grade, I think it was, at recess, we would play kickball. You guys ever played kickball? It's precisely as exciting as it sounds. And, and the, the, the title describes it. Kickball. It, it, it's for all the students who, are, whether they're unathletic or, or not, to get out there and, and for a half an hour destroy each other. That, that's what it's for. And, and you may remember, now if you guys did this, but when I was in third and fourth grade, every, every day recess before we played kickball, the teacher, supposedly in rotation, would pick two team captains. And those team captains got to pick their teams. Have you all ever seen that? And the, the, the other kids would line up, and here are the team captains, and, and it would start with, I'll take him, I'll take him, I'll take her, I'll take her. And you know what's happening. They want the best. They, they want the best, and they're trying to get the best ones first. And you have to think, you know, this is kickball. You don't need Aaron Rodgers. If you can kick the ball, catch the ball, throw the ball, roll the ball, watch the ball roll by, you can play kickball. But we always acted like it was the NFL draft. You, you got, I got to have him. I got to have him. Now what's happening is inevitably every single time the same two kids are left. The same two kids are picked last. Maybe you were one of those kids. It's a feeling that never leaves you, isn't it? And you have to wonder, every day out there at kickball, you have to wonder, when the teams are being picked, you have to wonder if that kid who knows they're going to be picked last is thinking in their minds, just one time, pick me first. Please. Just one time, pick me first. You know what the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is? God's already picked you. He knows you. He loves you. He died on the cross for you, and he's alive today for you. doesn't matter what the world says about you. You don't have to have special skills. You don't have to be specially religious in any particular way. God loves you. God loves you. He's just waiting for you to realize that and put your faith and trust in Christ and come home to Him. Moms, I want to speak to you first. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, what a great day this would be, wouldn't it? Mother's Day to trust Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And maybe you've done that, moms, but you've been struggling with some stuff, wrestling with some stuff. Maybe today's the day you need to bring that to the altar. Today's the day you need to bow your knee to him once again. Maybe today's the day you need to commit your kids completely and absolutely to Christ. Or maybe God's just showing you some things in your life that he wants to deal with. 
And that's true of all of us here. Moms or not, God's speaking to your heart. He's showing you things in your life you need to deal with. The question is whether you're going to come to him today. Stop, stop the pretense. Stop trying to be religious. And just say, yeah, God knows who I am. He knows what's going on. And it's time that I, that I confess that to him and let him change me. He accepts you. He'll change you. But he loves you and he accepts you when you come to him in faith. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for all of you, those of you at home this morning. I'm going to pray for our needs and burdens. I'm going to pray for whatever God's talking to you about right now. And I'm going to pray with you. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, that today would be the day you would do that. I'm going to pray a prayer and invite you in a moment to pray that with me, if you're in-house or at home, to put your faith and your trust in Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pause in this moment, God, aware of you, of your presence, of your grace, of your goodness in Christ. And God, we thank you for your love. We thank you, Father, for that compassion that you've shown us, that mercy that you show us in Christ. And God, today I want to pray for the moms here and at home. Maybe we've never trusted Jesus as our Savior. Father, I I pray today would be the day that that mom would come to Christ. Maybe they know Jesus, but they're struggling. Struggling with personal sin, struggling with burdens and, and, and issues and concerns, struggling with motherhood, struggling with wisdom. God, we give all that to you. Father, I pray for our moms today. And God, I pray for all of us, Father, that if we are burdened and, and concerned, cared and, and struggling, Father, whatever's in our lives, on our hearts, God, we would give that to you today. But for all of us too, Father, if we're holding back from coming back to you, if we think we need to be better, more religious, Father, forgive us of that and speak to our hearts today. For each one here, God, and at home, I pray this day would be a turning point for us when we reach out once again to you, when once again, God, we come to you. We find your grace, your mercy, and your forgiveness. And Father, for those who need Christ as their Savior, whether it's here or at home, Father, we pray this prayer together, for them a prayer of faith, put their trust in Jesus Christ to forgive them of their sins. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I know that I can't save myself. I've been trying. I've been religious. I've got plenty of pretense to show for it. But Father, today I come like a little child, humble before you. I believe you died on the cross for me and that you're alive today. And I confess my sins and I repent of those sins. So Jesus, I ask you would save me. By faith, I put my trust in you and you alone to forgive me and to save me. And it's in Jesus' name. But Father, whatever prayers we have prayed and for those that have trusted Christ, whatever decisions we need to make, God, I pray in the next moment, Father, you would move us and move in our hearts, Father. And we would unburden ourselves to you. We would follow through with commitments, God. We would step out in faith, however you're calling us to do. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray.